everybody, I'm Anisha. And I'm Namratha. And this is the first episode of our new podcast. Hashtag Taboo Talk. Okay, so a little bit about ourselves. My name's Anisha. I'm 20 years old and I'm from New Jersey. I go to Stony Brook University, which is in Long Island, and I'm going to graduate this May. I'm a bio major and I'm also pre-med, so I want to be a doctor when I grow up. Uh, Some of the things that I like to do for fun, uh, I play tennis, I dance, I do like Bharatanatyam, this classical Indian dance. I started painting, so I'm attempting to do that. And other than that, I just watch a lot of Netflix and I like hanging out with my friends and my family. Hi everyone, I'm Namratha and I'm 16. I'm Anisha's sister if you didn't get that already. Uh, I go to South Brunswick High School, which is also in New Jersey. Um, I do pretty much the same hobbies as her. I play tennis, I also do Bharatanatyam, but I also really like biking and I also cook sometimes. So we came up with this idea for the podcast this past summer. I personally uh, kind of got inspired for this idea because I did a program in high school called High Tops. So High Tops stands for Health Interested Teens Own Program in Sexuality. Uh, So we were basically a group of 30 to 40 students and we would do skits for the whole school. And in addition, we would meet with students in small groups and go into the details of sensitive topics such as sexual and mental health issues. So when my sister brought up the idea of creating the podcast, I knew immediately I wanted to join because of how important global outreach is for sex education and the amount of countries that don't have access to this education. So for example, around the world, there are a total of 34 million HIV positive cases. 91% of the children who are HIV positive come from Sub-Saharan Africa due to the lack of education. 60% of kids have sex before the age of 18 in Africa. So yeah, clearly you can see that this is attributed to the lack of sex education because kids are mainly affected by this disease. So this could all change if we just had more of an understanding. So that's why for the first episode of this podcast, we kind of wanted to focus on that. So what exactly is sex education? So sex education is basically teaching young people about bodily development like puberty, sex, sexuality, and relationships along with building skills to communicate and make informed decisions regarding their sexual health. So why is sex education important to you? So I think personally more than the sex aspect of it, I think what's really important is kind of understanding who you are and what your body is like. So that starts with as early as like, you know, learning about puberty and learning about body changes like menstruation or, you know, getting body hair, things like that. And it even transitions to as you get older and you start going into relationships, what a healthy relationship looks like, right? Whether it be dating or even the relationship with your parents and, you know, what what's healthy and what's not. Um, and then obviously, you know, you have the like what sex is, how to prevent from STIs and pregnancy. And so all these things kind of just really go hand in hand with your own health too so where do you think we got the bulk of our sex education so well i'll start off by saying i definitely did not get it from my parents just uh, we're also indian by the way if we didn't mention that so uh parents talking to our parents about sex education puberty honestly even the opposite gender sometimes can be pretty taboo so i got most of my education from school but mostly on the puberty and mental health aspect of it, 
And honestly, the more sexual part of sex education, I would say I got from my friends, my sister, and just honestly Google and just searching it up. So what about you? Uh, yeah, so basically same with me. Um, a lot of it, a lot of it was school. I do think our school did a good job when it came to like puberty and like diet and like drugs, but definitely the sex education kind of started later on in ninth grade, 10th grade. And honestly, like at that point, we were kind of old, you know, so that's a little concerning because I feel like kind of as we progress, kids are starting to have sex at younger and younger ages. And with the lack of sex education, that makes them more susceptible to like, you know, STIs and teen pregnancy and even getting into abusive relationships. But just in general, I guess I also learned mainly from the internet, definitely from my friends, a lot of word of mouth. I do remember my friends telling me super whack like sex stories when I was in middle school because no one really knew what it was. So definitely I took all of that with the grain of salt, though. But, you know, some people don't. So you mentioned that, you know, we do come from a South Asian household where our parents do not talk about this stuff. So what do you wish that our parents did more of? Um, I would say definitely start by telling the truth. So I remember when I would used to ask my dad where babies come from, he would say like outer space and then immediately change the topic. And he literally still says it to this day, even though I'm 16 and she's 20. So I would definitely say even from the beginning, just be broad, be detailed, just say come from the body or come from your mom's stomach. So that's definitely one thing I would wish my parents told me. If it weren't for my, again, friends and online, I wouldn't have known. Yeah, so I think it's important to, you know, like our parents also did not grow up with sex education, you know, so they don't have the experience on how to teach it to us. So I think it's really important to inform our own parents about how to have a better like line of conversation and just to keep things open. So I have noticed a really big change in my parents uh, as we've gotten older, you know, before growing up, like when I was my sister's age, when I was 16, my parents didn't talk about any of this. But now that my sister is 16, we actually do bring up some certain topics in our household. For example, like with the topic of dating, you know, I just tell them how many of my friends date or how common it is. And like same with like alcohol and you know, that kind of just normalizes the topics in our family. And so it's not as taboo. So if I ever tell them, you know, like, oh, hey, like I have a boyfriend, they're not going to freak out. And if anything, they're going to encourage me and kind of teach me what it's like to, you know, be in a healthy relationship, because that's something that they do have experience from. So yeah, just from the beginning, I wish that they were more open about topics like this I felt like if I had a boyfriend or if something if I wanted to do something I would definitely be too scared to tell them so if they were more open about it then I would definitely have no secrets but now that um, I'm get, we're both getting older and they definitely improved a lot on how much they like accept I guess now it's so much easier to tell them everything that happens whether it's with me or my friends and they're totally chill about it now yeah they definitely are Um, Okay, so we kind of mentioned how we got um, a lot of our sex information from online, Google, and definitely something else where we got it from is social media and just media in general. So how do you think that uh, media has influenced sex education? I would say the media has really normalized things like hugging and kissing, which is definitely not common in any south asian household yeah so shows like victorious 
which is on Disney Channel and like even Nickelodeon shows have a lot of dirty jokes and kissing. So my parents wouldn't even let me watch Victorious or like, what's that show? Once, which one? The with the Zoe Zoe, Zoe one hundred and one until I was like a teenager. Um, and now, like, whenever my parents come and, like, decide to sit with me, if I'm watching Grey's Anatomy or a David Dobrik vlog, I suddenly become, like, conscious of, like, every single, like, inappropriate joke and skit when, like, honestly, if I just watched it by myself, I wouldn't even think twice about it. So I just thought that was, like, funny, like, how much... We, like, tiptoe around them and, like, walk in eggshells. So, like, I would, if I'm watching Grey's Anatomy, I would, and my mom comes in, I would like exit and watch some cooking channel just because i'm scared that they're gonna see something and be like why are you watching this yeah it's it's definitely like really frustrating that we have to do that but it's also because they just like don't understand like how normal it is in our society to you know show love Mm -hmm. in these like physical ways so yeah so personally for me i like to see the show that kind of you know, jump-started this whole like relationships and sex life was the show gossip girl like i'm not (laughs) sure if you guys watched it it's kind of scary because, like, not in the show, they don't really, like, show you what a healthy relationship is like. For example, there are two characters, Chuck and Blair, and they're a very, like, borderline abusive couple. Uh-huh. But the show really glamorizes them, and it makes it think, like, it's okay. And that, like, we want our relationships to look like that, like, be super dramatic and toxic. But in reality, like, it's not okay, and, like, it should absolutely not be tolerated. I also find that it kind of sets, like, some unrealistic expectations like for example uh there's a scene where blair she loses her virginity in a limo scene and you know to chuck to chuck and there's no like visible pain in the show or awkwardness or anything and that's not an accurate representation of what it's like and so when young people like are losing their virginities for the first time they're gonna be like oh like i'm not doing it right or like there's something wrong with me when in reality it's just media that's kind of just like kind of glazing over like their actual details yeah so also sorry for those of you who don't understand my references um and just another thing like in most tv shows like consent is not a thing you know people kind of just grab each other and go for it and there's clearly like no use of protection either i can't tell you one time in gossip girl i've seen anyone use a condom or you know pop some birth control which is really scary because young kids like think that kind of sex just happens like out of the whim and that there's no preparation when in reality you should be getting like serious sti testing or you should uh be always using protection and having an open communication like with your partner so how do you think that we can improve or you know have a more of a realistic portrayal of sex and media so i think a good way to improve or make a more realistic portrayal of sex and media is just by making characters more relatable, realistic, and diverse. For example, um, the main character, Davy in the show Never Have I Ever, does a really good job in portraying the awkwardness of sex and other taboo topics in a South Asian household and with her friends. Yeah. So I think, like, the best way is that we can just prevent kids from even falling for these inaccuracies by making sure that they receive the proper education beforehand. So now I kind of want to kind of just transition back to talking about sex education in schools and emphasize the importance of comprehensive education versus abstinence only. So we live in New Jersey, and I would say New Jersey is definitely a more progressive state than in the South. 
but even in my school we never discussed sex education except for one class by high tops where they talked about all of the different contraceptives and ways to avoid pregnancies stis stds where to get tested and to get all of that information in one class and to never talk it a bit about it again in like my entire high school career it was a little overwhelming yeah it was definitely overwhelming and it was just a little confusing like they put so much importance into drugs and food and dieting more than sex education which i think should be more balanced yeah i agree i also find that like basically people's arguments when it comes to comprehensive versus abstinence programs is that if you teach kids about sex and how to do it then they're more likely to have it but I don't think that's the case at all. Um, there's actually a statistic that says 80% of kids find out about what sex, drugs, and violence is through media. So like that's already majority of kids, right? So if they're not properly educated, then they won't know how to do it safely. So the issue is not teaching kids what sex is, but rather how to do it in a way that protects themselves. So many Christian communities do prefer abstinence-only programs um, for the reason I stated above. But premarital sex is really common in girls. It's about 52% of girls are having sex before the age of 18. And it's also been proven that no abstinence programs show evidence that they delayed um, adolescence initiation of sex. So basically, it doesn't matter if there's an abstinence program, kids just have sex, like regardless. So I think the idea should be not to preach abstinence, but to emphasize that it is still the only way to 100% prevent STIs in pregnancy. So if you're not ready to take on that responsibility and to do it in a safe way, then maybe abstinence is for you. Okay, so throughout this podcast, we were kind of speaking in general about what sex education is, but let's take some time out to go into details for those who aren't able to access the education that we were referring to throughout the entire podcast. So there are lots of different ways to protect yourselves and have safe sex. So the first one that we want to talk about is abstinence. So what is abstinence? Abstinence is the act of abstaining from vaginal, oral, or anal sex. And this method is 100% effective in preventing both pregnancy and STIs because, well, you're not having sex. And always remember that abstinence is a choice that's personal to you and that you make for yourself. And if that's what you believe in, then you shouldn't let anyone sway you or pressure you into doing what you don't want to. So the second way to protect yourself and have safe sex is using condoms. So what are condoms? Condoms are a thin, stretchy barrier made out of latex or other materials used during sexual intercourse to reduce the probability of pregnancy or a sexually transmitted infection or an STI. So some facts about it, they're both male and female condoms and the way that it prevents pregnancy is that sperm can't enter into the female because it's blocked with the with material. the latex, yeah. So um, condoms are actually 98% effective at preventing pregnancy if used properly, according to PlannedParenthood.org. And along with the condom, you should use another form of birth control to decrease the likelihood of pregnancy. So condoms are actually the only birth control method that prevents from both pregnancy and STIs. The other ones only prevent from pregnancy. So what exactly is an STI? An STI is a sexually transmitted infection. 
which means the infection is passed from one person to another person through sexual contact. Um, so this is through like uh, the liquids such as semen or vaginal discharge um, or saliva or blood. So it could either be bacterial or viral. Uh, so some could be treated with antibiotics and others don't have a cure. So syphilis and gonorrhea are examples of bacterial STIs, while herpes and HIV AIDS are examples of viral ones. So some common symptoms of STIs to look out for in general are sores or bumps in the genital region, burning urination or discharge that's not colored, like that's yellow, uh, from the vagina or penis. Um, So the next method of birth control is using hormonal birth control. And hormonal methods of birth control uh, slash contraception contain either estrogen, progestin, or only progestin. So just basically female hormones. Um, They are a safe and reliable way to prevent pregnancy for most women. Uh, They can be taken through a variety of ways like an implant, an IUD, which is an intrauterine device, injections, pills, a vaginal ring, and uh, a skin patch. Pills are 99% effective when used perfectly, and they are most they are the most common contraceptive to use, but they are only 91% um, effective if they're not used perfectly. So when we say perfectly, we're talking about you're supposed to take birth control pills every single day. So for example, if you skip a day and then take two the next day, that could reduce the effectiveness of the birth control. And although they're highly effective against pregnancies, once again, they do not protect against STIs, sexually transmitted infections. So the last birth control method that we want to talk about is emergency contraception. So I wouldn't even consider emergency contraception as birth control because this is kind of like the aftermath. Um, So in case you have unprotected sex and if you fail to use a birth control method or the method that you were using like for example the condom broke or you forgot to take a pill so emergency contraception should be taken within three to five days after unprotected sex uh, in order to prevent a pregnancy they're about 75 to 85 percent effective and the longer you wait the effectiveness will decrease and nowadays you can actually find these without a prescription so they're over the counter which is nice because you know, before you would have to tell your parents or like go to a doctor, but now you can immediately uh, just go to the store and just pick one up. So we gave you a quick crash course on how to have safe sex, but for more information, you should guys check out some DACA websites or Planned Parenthood, which I really like and because they are definitely reliable. So this kind of wraps up our first podcast. So let us know what you guys think. Sorry if we uh, stumbled here and there, (laughs) went a little off topic. But yeah, so we'll definitely work on that. Um, But if there are any topics that you want to hear us talk about in the future, or if you have any comments or suggestions, or even if you just want more information on how to have safe sex, then you can definitely contact us on our Instagram. It's at Taboo Talk, except it's T-A-B-0-0 Talk. So they're two zeros, they're not O's, because we couldn't really get that Instagram handle, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but yeah, so talk to us soon. It was really nice having this podcast. Yeah, awesome. All right, bye. <laughs> bye. Wait, no, <laughs>